Welcome to your time, man. I'm Adrian. I'll be your host today. We're gonna get started. We have a, a special guest today uh, by the name of Brandon Shern. He'll be joining us here shortly. Uh, before we get into that, let me go ahead and let me go ahead and go on Instagram real quick. Let y'all know we're going live. Oh, it is what it is. Let me see. Nope, nope. <laughs> nope. All right. It is what it is. All right. <laughs> I told you this is that part, boy. This is that part. Like, we not starting yeah. soon, y'all. We already in here. Oh, boom. There we go. All right. So it's uh it's me and and Brandon. This the return of the kickstand boys, you know. That's what I like to call us, Brandon. Uh, y'all don't know. I remember uh, that. I remember that. <laughs> Me and me and Brandon, uh, we used to I Instagram. Uh, check us out on Facebook.com slash your uh, United Roots. All right, now that we got the formalities out the way, we can relax, man. Yo, okay, so me and Brandon used to work together a long time ago, like from 2013 to 2015. Yeah, and uh, we used to have conversations on it's a show. It was called um, Oh, Brandon, what's the name of that show? Um, Scare Straight. Scare straight. Yep. And uh it was one episode on there where the dude tells the dude, he tells the young kid, he's like, What are you, a kickstand? Uh, because the way he's standing, <laughs> he got his legs popped out, man. And that we used to just every time we saw each other, we just start dying laughing on that. So um kickstand Brandon, boys. I know <laughs> you're the kickstand boys back in business. If you want to go ahead and introduce yourself, man, and and uh let everybody know who you are, uh, and everything about you. Ah, uh, everything. Everything, man. Oh man. Everything oh. that you've been up to, everything, you know, that that like a hobby, um, you know, uh what you got going on in your professional life, you know, if you okay. want to share share something real quick, um, that you're working on in your personal life, and then we get to the it's a heavy topic, so I just want to roll into it, you know. Yeah. Um, all right, so currently I am I'm a mental health counselor, so I'm in the field working with mental health, um, licensed as an LCPC in Maryland. Um, I'm also, I actually, I'm, I'm progressing in my, uh, PhD. So, um, getting a PhD in counselor education and supervision. And, you know, just this morning, I got the notification that I'm, I've passed a, a certain phase and I'm ready to defend my proposal and get the rolling into data collection. So that's the exciting part. You know, now okay. I get to turn into a researcher. So, um, yeah, just passionate about this. Uh, specifically because of, you know, prior experience with my present experience and merging those two. Um, and so topics like this for me is really, uh, it's it's heavy, man. It's emotional. And yeah, so I don't, I don't do good with talking about myself. So. <laughs> hey, you I'm know, that's, know. That, you know, that's coachable. Uh, but yeah, yeah, yeah. That's good, man. It's it is a heavy it is a heavy topic, and um, you know, I think that it's one of those things that it, we always talk about it when it's hot and heavy, yeah. um, but then the conversation kind of dies, and that's one of the challenges that like I kind of want to pose to everybody who listens to this is it's it's great to to post stuff on social media, absolutely great. I'm a big fan for it, but I think that the follow through matters more. So what I mean by that is. It's easy to share something. It's easy to resonate with something that somebody else posts. It's easy to share that and advocate for it. What is hard to do, though, is to formulate your own opinion based off of other people's opinions or your research or whatever, and then advocate for that. And then not just advocate in the social realm, but like get involved in grassroots stuff. And that's one of the challenges, you know, self and told I'm doing for myself. So one of the things that I'm going to push myself for is to learn more about gun legislation. Um, I don't, I don't feel like I know enough. I don't feel like I know enough about the bill that's apparently being stalemated. It's just a lot of stuff that I feel like I don't know. And there's a lot of unknowns associated with it and I'm not comfortable with it. So I would challenge you to do the same thing. Um, Brandon? Absolutely. No, you know, this apart from, apart from my prior life, right. One of the, one of the things, a passion of mine is law, right. Um, and, and politics. And so I'm 
I'm, and all of this, all of these things kind of, for me, converge. And you write, it's all too often, right? There's the hoorah-rah, the emotional component of it because of what we see in the media. And then after it fades, right? After it becomes a distant memory and it's no longer, it's no longer leading because it's the bleeding has stopped, right? All of a sudden, we no longer care about Uvalde. All of a sudden, we no longer care about Buffalo. You know what I mean? All of these things, they just start, they fade into the background. And and so all of the emotional stuff leaves, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and and so I, I got this, I got this quote, man, I, I came up with, and it, it's kind of this phrase and a saying that I, I live by, and it's the impact that you will have is measured by the amount of energy you are willing to put out. Impact takes and requires energy. So if you're not putting out energy, you are consuming it from the environment, right? So all of the energy, right? That's that's the emotional stuff. The emotional piece is like, ah, yeah, oh, and, and you know, people retweeting and reposting and all of that, resharing. And, and like you said, go for it, but inform yourself. Because I'm, when when things like this happen, tragedies like this happen, there is always legislation following it. Always legislation following it. And and unfortunately, the legislation more more often than not, it's restrictive. It begins to restrict instead of instead of opening up access, right? So I'm, you know, I tell people, be weary whenever you see, because it's when you are emotional, it's easy to start forfeiting away rights. Uh, you know what I mean? So think about COVID, yeah. right? Think about COVID. People got, people became afraid of, right? And rightfully so, the, the virus is deadly. But we're, we're what? Almost three years into this. And people are, and there's still fear. There's still fear. And that's the way, that's the way that, when I look at it, I see, okay, we can't let this go because what 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 did the government notice? These people will be willing to forfeit their rights away. Yeah. Because of this. Yeah. Right? So now everything, and it's just it's rough, man. And 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 anytime you give government power, man, it is they don't give it back. You know what I mean? Like they don't say, <laughs> oh, you know, like, we was, you know, we was stepped. Yeah. We was wrong. We was, <laughs> So, no, I think though, like that's like the thing is, you know, is is so easy um, to become overpowered by it and then stand still in it, you know. And I, I, I mean, I've been reading like honestly. Shout out to Steve Kerr. I think Steve Kerr had like the best response um, in a public platform, you know, where he was just like, "It don't even matter about basketball. We gonna play basketball." But what are y'all going to do about children dying? Like that's to me, it was like one of the things that really caught my attention because it was it was one, it was raw. Uh And two, it was emotional, but it was composed, you know, like he he sat with it, thought with it and then chose to make an action. He didn't have to do anything. You know, he could have canceled the press conference. You see what I'm saying? Like he, he didn't do any of that. But like for me. It struck a chord with me this time a little bit more so, you know, and, and it's, it's like I got a four year old. My four year old yeah. is Latino and black. And it's like when you see pictures of the kids that, you know, uh, unfortunately uh, passed in this situation is they look like him. And so yeah. for me, it was it was like, OK. And then, you know, having a prior like law enforcement background, plus the government law enforcement background, it's like it's like. I don't remember any of the actions that they took being a part of my uh, my active shooter response training. Absolutely I don't, not. <laughs> I don't remember none of that, you know? And like, it was just like, for me, it was like, if I was a parent, like I understand the, the crowd control. You don't wanna, you don't want people from the outside to get involved because of crossfire, because of everything else, you know, it's already, it's already a tough enough situation to respond to. But then on top of that, you add in outside factors of, of parents that are emotionally, you know, charged and going in. And then, you know, they're not responding with the unit. And point in cases, you know, it's a forward-facing mentality. Like, I mean, just correct me if I'm wrong. This is what I remember, okay? I remember this. I remember that while you hear shots, you're going. When the shots stop, you're assessing. When yep. shots go, you're going, right? And then, you know, if you reach the barricade, then it's, okay, 
strategy. We know it's in there. How can we get in there the fastest? You know, and it like for me, that's 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 just the the picture I play in my head of what the training looked like. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, so absolutely. No, I remember it's, that, man. It, it's it's like it's like it's one of those things. It's like you know, it's the hardest thing, one of the hardest things you could ever respond to. And then at, it's at an elementary school, not a high school, not a middle school. It's at an elementary school, and it's like it's gonna be. Um, chaotic but you should just go like you know like for me it's just you should just go it's everything everything else don't matter them shots should be you should be in there too um that's the training that's 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 how i feel and we know that real life don't always meet up to training but you know i couldn't help you know but look at the timeline you know you know and and let's 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 just pause that real quick let's talk about the media okay the media is going to put out stuff as soon as it happens and the story is constantly going to change until an investigation starts and then throughout the course of the investigation the information is going to change and then the facts will start to surface and they'll be chopped up right and then unfortunately the way that everything will be held tight and close while they're trying to get the right facts or whatever cover whatever you want to call it i don't really care but the information is delayed as it comes out so let's talk about let's talk about that and what that does to you emotionally you know because everybody when you see it live, you, you you your human aspect takes over and your emotions take over. But then on top of that, you're getting information. So let's 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 talk about that. Let's let's talk about how the media plays a role in this. Sometimes, man, the media is irresponsible with how they be presenting things, right? Because be you know, having having a law enforcement background, but also studying human behavior, I also I know now more. I knew it back then, but it's more solid and ingrained in me. It's hard to change the narrative that was first received, right? So when you first hear something, all of the other facts now, because that you take that as truth. And unless you, unless the facts begin to uh, come out quicker or there is a less, I mean, Okay, so instead of speculating, they could have just said what we know, right? Mm-hmm. What we know is this is going on. That's all we have. But they start speculating. And these people, it's almost like an abuse of, uh, abuse of authority because they have that. They know people tune in because they are giving, that's where we get our news from, right? Yeah. And, and so they just, it's sometimes it's reckless, man, because they want those, they want that clickbait. They want those things and they have very little they have very little uh, concern for the aftermath of, right? So everybody around the world is being impacted um, by things and that then as as more facts come out, we got to wrestle with what do we believe? And that becomes the problem. What do we believe? Because this was the first thing. Now, I don't know if this information competes with what I know. Mm-hmm. How do I reconcile that? Yeah. I mean, talk it. Can we let's talk about like let's microscope it, right? Like when it's going on in this live, you hear things, and your brain starts to paint a picture of the worst possible case scenario. And this, and this, whatever your brain painted in this incident here at this elementary school, it was right. Okay, yep. like it, 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 your brain did the right thing. Then media. You know, then they start to paint a different image and they start to to tailor kind of like what your image is that you're imagining. And then they start to feed you trigger words um, by design, by design to get you to tune into the channel. Okay, I think that you should be informed, though. And I I agree. But I think that the verbiage that the media uses could be better. This is what we know versus here's what's going on. You know, like this is what we know to be true. Um, that goes a lot longer than what we think happened is okay. Cause now you're giving me perspective and we're not there. So we, we, we depended upon that to paint the, paint the rest of the picture as the story involves, uh, uh, it's going to change, but I think it's media's responsibility to tell you that, that this is what we know to be true right now. It doesn't mean it's going to be true forever. But as soon as we get the most up-to-date information, we will tell you, okay, versus 
trying to stay with the same narrative and then like you read the same you read a different article three days later and it's completely changed um like i just read from um the shade room it said and the timeline report uh i had read like i think yesterday that a faculty member opened the door for the police to get into the room where the shooter was today i read that they got a key from a janitor and were able to open the door but then also in the shade room report there was um uh, a, a young lady in the classroom was able to call and when she was on the phone with them she said that he was shooting at the door right so you know i know a lot of people are saying it, it's not a uh, a barricade but you know he locked himself in a room he's barricaded yeah most of most of the schools uh they have metal doors with metal frames the fire department has tools and stuff readily available to get through there a battering ram is not really going to work to get through there um, I will say though, they probably have windows on the outside of the classroom and they probably, maybe the blinds was closed. I don't know. That'll come out um, more so with, 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 as the story and the timelines develop. But, you know, I just, I think it's important that if you want to be informed, you stay informed, but, you know, read everything and then, yep. and then create your own perspective. You got to read from both parties, ideologies. You got to read more than one news news people stuff and then you start to kind of formulate kind of what's going on um but i will say it is going to be taxing on your mental health and and you know there are things that you can do to kind of protect yourself um mentally from this it's, it's a yeah. dramatic event um so brandon do you want to do you want to give them some tools uh is there is there anything like you know like um like for me from a coaching perspective i'll say take a break okay yeah so what you want to do is as you're getting the information, you can get hyper-focused on it, you know, and, and you just, sometimes it's just better just to take a break, give yourself a break, give yourself some reprieve. Um, you can always come back to it. Um, you know, do, do if you have children, you know, use them as your support. Um, go ahead, Brandon, you got. No, so I do, I do similar stuff, right? We don't want to play ostrich. We don't want to stick our head in the sand and pretend like stuff is not going on. But what we don't want to do is also begin to hyper focus on stuff and and begin to take things out of context. So sometimes you do have to give yourself a break. Sometimes there is the necessary, you know, like remember, like at one point in time with COVID, they were always popping the numbers up and how many deaths and how many. And, and like you were saying, it's all about creating an image. It's creating an image about things. Right. Mm -hmm. So when they start talking about what what the police did or did not do and what people on the scene were we're not doing that begins to create an image and instantly we start attacking those things right now you know people coming out the woodwork so give yourself a break right um i can't control that situation right i can only control my response to that situation and that's what i encourage anybody that i work with when they start dealing with stuff like that you got to take a step back and see how much control do you have Cause you, I have very, I have little to no influence over what happens in Uvalde, right? Mm -hmm. I'm not even in you. I'm not even in Texas, right? So I'm mm -hmm. like thousands of miles away. So you do understand that it's horrific. It's it sucks what happened. But and this is this is looping back to something you said before. We have to do something. So I would take what I would take what Steve Kerr said and modify it because. It's always the, what are y'all going to do? No, what mm -hmm. are we going to do? Mm -hmm. What am I willing to do, right? Remember, that's that's the reason that my, my quote, the impact that you will have is based on the amount of energy you are willing to put out. So if I'm unwilling to do something, I can't expect anybody else to want to do something, right? That's for me. I suck at social media primarily because what I see a lot on social media is just people, you know, with the all the stuff right the the words and the phrase and that's good but what are we doing yeah right? what are we doing like if if i wasn't tied up in so many ways right like more to to where i am right now i would go to texas and offer my services free of charge because of right i just can't i got i got too many obligations yeah there, right so yeah i think i think too is like to, to that point right um there are there are like nonprofits that are currently doing that. There are like uh, uh, advocates right now, uh, and I'll, I'll try when I post this video up. 
I would try to add some links you could support. I know there's donations that you could make. Um, I know that there's a lot of work being done on the grassroots level for policy change. Um, but I think to me is don't let it die down. Like for me is one, I like to educate myself. So that's, that's what I'm going to do. I'm going to educate myself. Uh, and then for me, the other thing I'm going to do is it's time to, for me to stop watching, you know, and like, that's why I think it's important for me to educate myself because I, I want to build my own narrative, my own understanding of stuff. I understand that some policies become blanket policies and then they tuck stuff in. All, yeah. They do that all the time. All and, the time. And, you know, and and I don't think that's what's holding up this one because it seems like both parties want the same thing. And this and and and, and matter of fact, from the little bit of research I did do, I did I did discover that the policy that's like waiting to be approved. It's just for background checks, man. Like, what are we doing? <laughs> like, at, at what point? And and not even to say, like, let's say for for this instance, I don't think a background check would have stopped him. But at the same time, it's like, at least it would have been done, okay. And then the other, the other, the issue I have though with with this instance is, literally on his 18th birthday. One of the things he did, okay, this is according to news media, so I'm just gonna stink that out. <laughs> um, but one of the first things he did was go and buy two assault rifles. Okay, mm -hmm. I got it. If you if you want to hunt, cool, whatever. If you think it's cool to hunt with assault rifle, whatever, cool. If you want one for your own personal protection, cool, whatever. It should not be that easy, though. I, in my opinion, it should not be that is that easy. We we can't use the the Second Amendment, uh, which was a long 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 time ago we cannot use that amendment and say here we go and we haven't tailored it to current modern modern instances okay we're using something from way back in in the past and then we're saying it's applicable to today without all the change that came mm -hmm. through those time periods to get to where we are today how how like you know what i'm saying like how is that still relevant today in today's argument in today's world with today's technology how is that still relevant if you was loading your uh your gun with gunpowder and all that you had one bullet okay cool we don't do that anymore um you can have magazine magazines you you learn there's videos on youtube how to do quick reloads you know mm -hmm. there's there's videos on youtube to teach you to keep one in the chamber while you do the reload the tactical reload you see what yep. i'm saying like yeah why then does everybody have the same capability to do everything like i get it like if, if that person has one i want to have one too nah like how about nobody have them you know what i mean like <laughs> or if you if you have how about you have been through some type of standardized process to obtain that thing that has the mm -hmm. capability of taking away somebody's life you know yeah. i mean you could die at any point you could die leaving your house you could die um at, at a playground you could die just like on a swing or something like it, it i get it but at the same time, that's somebody else didn't take your life. And oh, I mean, they may have, but not in, not with something that could have been controlled. You know, if you get in a car yeah. accident, maybe there's stuff that could have prevented the car accident. I get it. Um, I, you know, I want to acknowledge both sides of the, of the conversation. But you know, the important thing is had a conversation. And but that's and this is this is where like because you know I, sometimes I work with couples right in mm -hmm. in my work and one of the biggest things that I see and I notice is there's all the issue right is always center and then they are coming at it from it's linear right mm -hmm. so it's a it becomes a tug of war right so and and when we get into tug of war it's not about it, the issue is no longer the problem it's I need to be right so I need to pull you over to my side mm -hmm. and what I what I try to what I try to teach couples to do is have the issue but then move down and both y'all both look at it from the same vantage point and say what this is our issue what are we going to do right how are we going to approach remember that we is yeah. not what are you going to do what are you going yeah. to give up it's i'm willing to do this i'm willing to do that right i'm when any any like i said anytime legis, any legislation scares me because it it, it makes it more restrictive, right? So I'm gonna be I'm gonna be completely transparent on this podcast, right? When I got shot, when when I was 16, and the dude that shot me, he didn't he, he didn't get his gun legally, right? So when when I hear when I hear about Second Amendment, 
do whatever you want to do in terms mm-hmm. of, okay, how are we going to have background checks? Mm-hmm. Right. We, we know we've, we've been in the databases, right? We know what mm-hmm. they do. We know we, and so they use the same databases. There, there are, there are background checks. You got to go through a background check. Dude, I, in, in Maryland, and I shouldn't I should have did it when I was when I was in law enforcement. Yeah, I, yeah, I, I, I thought I, about the same thing. <laughs> I thought about the same thing. I touched my hip the other day and was like, man, I could have got my concealed carry like so easily back then. So easily, right? So easily, bro. But but now right, I had to go through a course. I had to go, I did the background check, all of this. And I so now I can purchase a weapon in Maryland. You see what mm-hmm. I mean? Mm-hmm. And and so these things exist and and so I'm always looking at legislation is passed for people that's going to abide by the law. Yeah, if, absolutely. You, you see what I'm saying? And, yeah. <laughs> and so it's like, you think about it, right? 100%. You got to have a driver's license to drive, but how many times people get locked so up driving without a license? And, I, and, so, check, so check this out, though. I get, I get ghost guns, right? I get them. What about this, though? How about the fact that you have to take courses and stuff in some, in some states, you have to take a course to have a handgun but you could go buy a shotgun without having taken anything. That's different. That's you see different. what I'm saying? Like, yeah, absolutely. Like for me, that's crazy. Like, you know, like I remember, I remember I'm from Carolina. I remember, remember you could go into Walmart. Walmart had them up, you know what I mean? And you could go in there and just walk out with a shotgun. If you was over 18, you could go to Dick's Sporting Goods and do, and do the same thing. You know what I'm saying? So it was like, it was, it was always been weird to me that, you know, it's like, oh, for your concealed carry, you got to go through a course because you could carry all the same time. But when you go hunting or whatever, you have your shotgun at your house, you ain't had to go through no course because it's not supposed to leave your house because you're going to do the right thing. Say what? Joker, say what? <laughs> <laughs> you feel me? Hey, like, yeah. Like, no, absolutely. Absolutely. We need to, we, there is there is a need, right, to, to kind of have some parity in how long arms are purchased. Absolutely. Completely agree, right? And and yeah, there is a course. I, I I'm gonna say probably, right? This is me speculating, right? It's easier to conceal a sidearm, right? Unless you Absolutely. start trying, unless you start trying to buy Desert Eagles 50 calibers. Okay, now the we double the double pull, over. the double yeah, pull. <laughs> you want to be what, what was it? I don't know what uh, video, oh, whatever, man. right? I forget that joke. <laughs> but but if you want to do that. And you know it's harder to conceal, but if you get your standardized nine mil, three eighty, right? Even even a forty caliber is depending on right the type of shirt you wear. It's easier to conceal than you know. What I mean? You see somebody walking down the street yeah. with a long arm, like okay, all right, yeah. Unless it's, unless it's an open carry state, right? Unless it's an open carry state, it's it's, you, it's but it's. It's crazy. It's like it's like it's it's so many nuances to it, though. You see what I'm saying? Like, yeah, it's not one size fits all. It's 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 like, oh no, we open arm, open carry. You can have your your long arm out. What's that do? I mean, like, okay, so back to like criminology days, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, the research used to show, and now I'm gonna quote some old data. Okay, this is from like 2010. This is when I that's when I went to NC State. Shout out to Wolfpack. That's when I went to NC State, and I was studying sociology. But like the the statistics used to show, the national statistics used to show that for home invasions, right? And I don't know what the current statistics are. Like, don't even. I'm not even going front. Um, but the the old statistics used to show that for home defense. If somebody broke into your house and you didn't have a weapon, that you had a higher statistics of living throughout that interaction. Okay. If they broke into your house and you pulled out a weapon, you had a higher instance of being shot because you are forcing them to take a measure that, you know, they ready to take, but not really. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? Um, and the number of homeowners who had, like, it was crazy. Like, the percentage was skewed. And I'm not even going to say numbers, but. Um, yeah, because I don't know that this is current, but um, it, it, it the percentage was so far skewed that if you presented a weapon, most of the people never even fired back. So it was like they would pull out their weapon, and the person who's in your house, you know, they you, they had no choice, no exit, no nothing. They just shot you, and you never pulled the trigger. If you pull it out, you should be ready to go. That's that's how I feel, and that's home absolutely, so, absolutely. But how do you get there? It's training. It's just like, but like, see now, 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 jump back to the active shooter. 
you train, you train, you train. And with the hopes of when it happens, you do, you do what you were trained to do. Shout, yeah. shout out to the military. Like it is, people don't understand. It's so hard to run towards the sound. Oh, absolutely. When everybody else is running away and you got to pass absolutely. everybody away. And absolutely. it's so hard, but like even the training is scarring, you know what I mean? And I want to be vulnerable as hell. I was telling my wife about when, when I was down at Wesleyan, we did the active, um, the active bomb threat. I don't know if you remember that joint. Um, but you know how like it's set up like the New York shooter, right? It's yeah. set up like that way. And I remember that I was the person who actually neutralized the threat. But I remember that the bomb was disguised as a baby. And 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 it was like it was like wrapped around, you know what I mean? And like when they asked me what I saw, I was like, oh, I saw the the uh the hand thing. And they're like, Are you sure? And I was like, I don't know. Like in the moment, in the moment, I was I was sure. But like afterwards, they were like, uh, could it have been pepper spray? And I was just like, I hope not, because I didn't miss. Like, you know, but it was like it was it was one of those things that like it, it, it then we did another one when remember we did the one in the uh, in the hospital. Yeah. When we did that, I was more hesitant though. Because of what, because of the after the after yep. discussion of what happened when yep. I was in training down in Georgia, yeah. So it was like it was like you know I get like everybody's gonna you know everybody's gonna say what they should have could have would have done um, in that instance. Um, you know the police. Uh, I think there is news reports coming out that they actually got a call from the the commanding officer on scene, not not to engage. Um, uh. And then unfortunately, that's a training flaw as well because once you get that call, what do you have to do? Stand down. You have to. And that, and that's the, and that, you know, I was, I was talking to my wife about that, and, and because we was talking about the same thing with the, like, she was like, she, she was like, babe, you got to remember, like, that's you. You would do that. Not everybody is gonna do the way that they were trained. Absolutely, absolutely. And, and, and that's the, and I'm, my whole ethos has always been, you train how you fight, so fight how you train, right? Or you fight how you train, so train how you would fight. I mean, I put that backwards, right? But you're going to fight how you train. So I was never one of those, let's do, you know, when, you know how you do the take, take down, take, I'm not going, no, nah, you're going to get it. I'm going to make you get it because, dude, I can't have you out with me and you sweating and the handcuffs start slipping because you don't really, yeah. don't do all of that. Don't, no, I don't want to be, I don't want to be in any firefight with you if you're afraid. And and I was tell, I recall and I recall so explicitly, man. I was um, when I was FTOing, and I told I told this um, I told this officer. I said I I recognize that anytime I put this weapon on, anytime I put this duty belt on, I might have to take somebody's life, and I'm okay with that. I have to be because if I don't be okay with that, I'm not going home. You see what I'm saying? And that was and and so. And, and and this goes back to the even all of the stuff about what dude, I don't know. I don't know what they, I don't know how they were trained. And that so that becomes the very first thing that we do um industrially. We go in and we start saying, Okay, what are y'all policies like? Mm -hmm. Because we gotta figure we gotta figure out, we look at it as an entire system and we gotta figure out what part of the system is flawed. Because if that command if that commanding officer told them to stand down. And they stand down. Okay, champ, we gotta have a discussion. What what's going on? Yeah, right. That's just like when was the last time that if if it if it went to and 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 the way I heard it, you know, was that it became a a hostage scenario. Once 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 they reached the room and the barricade and the shooting through the doors, apparently, you know, and and like I said, I will say this full disclaimer: this is all read from news articles. I don't know any of this stuff to be factual. Um, but this is the the latest of what I've read, and I'm gonna make my own interpretation off of it, just based off of prior experience, um, and and reading the information, and then you know patiently waiting. Um, I'm getting a little impatient because the facts should be coming out a little bit a little bit quicker. Um, it it don't take much to figure out what actually happened. It takes a lot to write the narrative of what happened. It don't take much yeah. to figure out what happened. And um, so uh, I will say that like when I was reading it, and I was just like you know. When they were like, oh, they stood out the side of the door. The first thing I thought of is, okay, it's probably a metal door. 
Secondly, it's not like the movies when you shoot the clock, the thing comes off. Like it don't work that way. <laughs> then you also have people in there that are still, you know, uh, alive, hopefully. And so, at, 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 but then the first thing that popped in my head is at what point does an active shooter become a hostage negotiation? Yeah. At what point? Um, and 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 then do you <clears throat> treat it as a traditional hostage negotiation? Right? And when was the last time your hostage negotiator then? Now we jumped to hostage negotiation. When was the last time your hostage negotiation went to training for that? It should be Uh-oh. it should be quarterly or annually. Um, but that's something that is worth looking at, right? Then it's okay, what 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 happened in the school? What did they do administratively? He made it into one classroom that was adjoined with the other classroom um through a bathroom. Okay, so what actions did the school take? And when you look at it afterwards, right, what actions did the school take? How did he get in the building? Um, and what what then is the protocol to fix that, uh, that access of how he got into the building? Um, is the answer that you put more police in there? Is the answer that you arm teachers? It's, all that stuff is irrelevant without looking at and breaking down the sequence of events and how they occurred. And then cross comparing that with what we know from past shootings, active shooters, and the number for 2022 is ridiculous. I mean, this I haven't is even looked ridiculous. at the numbers yet. I, haven't I mean, even looked oh at the man, I, I don't even, I don't want to misquote them, but like we've, to my understanding of the information that's available on social media, we've had more active shooters than days, calendar days in a year so far. Oh wow. That's ridiculous. <laughs> that's that's crazy to me. And and you know what? Here's the thing, right? I'm I'm looking at this and, and I'm always like, I'm I start, you know, we 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 learn the difference between a soft and a hard target, right? If if I know, right, some of these people actually they like the one dude in Buffalo, right? It if you listen to what he said, he said he, he chose what he chose because he knew that the there it the likelihood of him being challenged by another firearm was minuscule, right? Yeah. And and that's the that's the problem. Sometimes that's the problem because we begin to we put ourselves in in a, a space to be victimized, right? You know, all of these places, no guns here, and it's like, dude. The criminal is not going to care about that. The criminal says, hi, green light, let's go in here and do everything that I want to do. Right. And, you know, and so, and briefly, I want to, I want to flip because that this is horrendous, man. And one of the things that this is another thing I was talking to my wife about when we, when, when there's, you know, this correlation immediately to mental health, mm-hmm. what happens people that might actually need mental health services become less likely to get it because we start projecting now. And we say, ah, I don't want to be labeled as a potential uh, school oh. shooter. Oh, we could, I'm we, could, we could shoot. We could switch to that all day. That narr- the narrative, uh, one, the narrative in every community, not just minor- marginalized communities, but every community and the stereotype with that and mental health, uh, we can speak on that all day. I'm, I'm more than willing to hop it because I think that it's a part of the conversation because everybody says that the person needs to go through like some type of psychoanalysis or some type of criteria to, to own a gun. Okay. So if, if that's going to be the case, then when will mental health stop being tabooed in our nation? That absolutely. And that's part of the, part of the thing, man, that I love about what I do in mental health. It's like I, I I tell people all the time. I compare this. I compare being a mental health counselor to being in law enforcement. Nobody ever wants to see me, right? Nobody ever. I see people at their worst, right? I'm t- people don't come and meet me and, and set up meetings with me because everything in their life is going swimmingly, right? So there's something going on. The only difference is I'm not trying to lock them up. That's the major difference. Yeah. And and so I look at it like that and I I, I present it to people like that because I'm transparent with, with, with a lot of my clients. I say I'm prior law enforcement. I've been in law enforcement. Okay, whatever, whatever. Okay. Because, you know, they want to know stuff about you, right? And and that's, I'm not, I don't hide from that. And I tell them, and so most of the, most of the time it's the kids that are curious about, you know, this. But 
about that, you know, my background stuff. Yeah. But man, it, it has to, we, we gotta stop equating mental health and mental health problems with stuff like that. The moment we connect it like that is the moment that people become less likely to reach out because yeah. they don't, they don't want to, I don't, I wouldn't want to be labeled that's, like that. You know what I that's, mean? That's like when you were, um, when you were law enforcement, right? And and I remember, I remember this when, when I was, um, when I was doing corrections, you, you would go like out to eat or something with your uniform on and a kid who was in their parents' eyes misbehaving, what did it, the first thing they do, <sighs> the first thing they do, they say, uh, if you don't behave, they're gonna they're gonna go with you, and I say yeah. And if you come with me, we're gonna have a good time. We could go play in the car. We could go because it's 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 you've just introduced the now. I think law enforcement should it, there should be some changes. Let me be clear. Um, but you just introduced your kids' interaction with law enforcement is I go to them when I'm in trouble, not I go to them when I need help. You know what I mean? So I always yep. flip the script back on the parent. I, oh. Do you need to talk to me about the way your mother is acting? Like, you know what I mean? Like, but then you come off as some like yeah. asshole or something, you know? But it's like, it's like <laughs> you you're creating this narrative that we are meant to be a punishment system and not a protective yep. system. Yeah. And and that's not true. And they people do the same thing with mental health, right? Like, oh, that's your crazy cousin, that's your crazy uncle. Like, uh, what does that mean? Like, I'm gonna go see the cuckoo doctor. Who's a, what is a cuckoo doctor? I don't know any cuckoo doctors, you know, until right. you, and the thing about it is like, until you address the way that you are, um, that relationship that you're choosing to have with mental health and it won't work for you because you've already put in this preconceived narrative in your head yeah. that this is what it is. And this is how it'll be labeled. And this is how it'll be seen. And then what do people do? They don't want to go through their insurance company. If they're military, they don't want their leadership to find out why it used to be like clearance driven. Right. So like, it used to be that if you went to see a mental health person, you had to tell your clients, they don't change that. You get the help you need. And when you stop before the doctor says, oh, yeah, you, you're discharged, you're good to go, then then that's when it becomes an issue. When you take yourself off of medication, that's when it becomes an issue. But if you're getting the help that you that you need or like to be seen, and nobody's going to like think twice about that. You know what I mean? Like it's, it's, it's one of those things that it's a safe environment. Yeah, uh, it's not a judging environment. It's there to help you grow. Yeah, and you know, at least from coaching, is like a coach is going to ask you questions that you you don't think in your own head that to ask yourself. You know, um, but yeah, I think I feel like you know, you it's not really changing the topic. It's more they go hand in hand. Is that they do? You know, if you're not tabooing anything and and you change the social norms or the narrative or whatever. It, it has the potential to change a lot of things to where maybe we don't hit these situations or maybe when we do, um, the response looks different. Um, so, and, and I'm, you know, and I would, I would have candid conversations with people when I, when I was in corrections, when I was, and I, I would tell them, I said, no, I didn't get into this because I got a chip on my shoulder or I was bullied. I'm, this is me as a black male showing you that you don't have to be on the other side of the law. This is me as a black male, as a now as a counselor, as a mental health provider, showing you that it's okay to be in this space. We can occupy these spaces. It doesn't have to be taboo, right? Yeah. It does not. And 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 so it's for me. It's all about demystifying it, this process. It is like it it is. Is. and you think about it. It's like um, you know, like uh, I know you know where like hot spotting is, but you know broken windows theory. Yep. Like when when you take the broken windows theory and you apply it to like city areas, like I'm talking like city, like downtown city areas, um, you can see it happening. Like you have access. Think about it. Like if you if you go into what people call the hood, you have yep. access to tobacco, <laughs> tobacco products, alcohol products, uh, everything, everything and anything you want. Uh, was that the loan title things, the cash, the cash your check? For yep. interest, the title loan place. <clears throat> what do you not see enough of? Mental health initiatives from the city. No nope. mental health businesses. Um, you don't see a lot of access to to that stuff. The stuff that can help you break whatever thing you're going through, or to help empower you, or like whatever. So then it's like, okay, how how come 
these things happen? Why do people get ghost guns? Why do people get, um, why do people stay in corners? Why do people try to make a living for their family? Well, one, what don't you see? You don't see opportunities there. You don't no. see jobs. You don't see people coming in. And when they do come in, it's called gentrification. And then they want you out versus impacting you to be uh, a part of the community. But yeah. I want to say there is hope. There is cities out there that they will pay you to come in and do project improvements and, 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 um, to 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 update the community but you have to provide back to the community in order to build there yeah. that's beautiful like you have to create something in order to build there and i think that's like one of the things like with gun control that's what they need to do is it needs to be standardized process it it, it shouldn't be you know like trey said the shotgun thing is weird it is weird it shouldn't yeah. feel that way though it should feel like it, in order to do this, these are the steps that you need to go through. And everybody on both sides should be able to agree to that. Yeah. Um, but th but it, here's the thing. When just going back to going back to working with couples. Right. So we have two sides of the political out. Right. Yeah, yeah. And and it's this linear thing and pulling, you know, trying to be the most right. And you know what I mean? But coming down and saying this is the issue what do we need to do to address it right yeah. and 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 so another part here I'm, like you this is something you were saying before but another reason this this bill might be held up is because they slip it in with all kinds of other stuff and it's like no we can't vote on that man that's that has nothing to do with the other stuff that has nothing to do with this legislation that we're trying to pass you trying to do all this other stuff. And so now people start playing politics and that dude, that pisses me off. I mean, like just imagine if it was just like one set of criteria to just one problem. <laughs> just get a clean <laughs> bill, dude. What? Just get a clean bill. What? So, yeah. So Trey just said, I literally just heard that you can just go get a shotgun a few days ago. Yep. Absolutely. It depends on what state you're in though. Um, but yeah, you there are some states where once you turn or meet the age requirement, I don't even want to say the age requirement because it varies per state as well. Yeah. But once you once you meet the minimum requirements, you could go in and get a, a, a firearm, which is why it shouldn't be restricted to long arms, short arms, uh, hand handheld shotguns. It should just say firearms because that's what they all are. They all fall into that category. All of them. Um, but I remember, like, to get a handgun, you would have to go to the sheriff's office, do a background check, send it in. And then if you wanted to do a concealed carry on top of that, then you would have to go to a course, give them the course registration, all that. But you could go in and get a shotgun if you was going to go hunting, you know, like, oh, you're going to go hunting. Yeah, they're going to be hunting with it. All right. Um, and that's, that's <laughs> different type of hunting. <laughs> yeah. And that's the and that's the it's like a it's like a that's a that's a, a raw joke. But like, it's the truth. It is. You know what I mean? It's 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 the truth. And what are we going to do to stop it? Yeah, it, it's it's it is, man. I'm you know I'm I'm pro gun, but I'm pro education with it. You know what I mean? Like I said, for me, I'm a law-abiding citizen, and laws passed affect me. It don't affect people that don't care about the law. Mm -hmm. And that's for me. That's that be that's my hesitancy with giving them power to regulate any part of my life right mm -hmm. especially at the federal level mm -hmm. if we start talking more state stuff okay maybe because i have more access to those people yeah um but it's it's still it, attacking objects is so easy this is like a, it's easy to get up and say we need to take the guns and we need to because it's like you know that doesn't require any work that doesn't require yeah. any energy it doesn't require me to go and reflect and say what what are the the, the uh, security breakdowns in this situation? Yeah, what I I think like I think it's it's, it's one of those things like you got to look at that whole picture, and it shouldn't yep. take it shouldn't take active shooting scenarios to drive the conversation at all. And you know, <clears throat> my biggest fear is is oh wait, before I even do that, I do want to shout out. The, the next day after the incident occurred, there were people who went and volunteered and stood at schools throughout the throughout the freaking U.S. OK, y'all shout outs to y'all. Like shout out, shout out. Yeah, I mean, that's 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 setting the tone. That's providing a safe atmosphere for your kids. You know, that's letting them know that they did not shake you. You know what I mean? Like 
you know, and then, you know, everybody who's making the donations, shout out to you, shout out to the community, um, you know, but I think prayers and uplifts is not enough. And no, to Brandon's point, uh, a lot of stuff happens at the state level and the federal level, but you at the grassroots level, that's usually first, it starts in your, your town, then your county, then your city, then your state. And that does drive change. Just look at just look at marijuana. If you want to see how the state's impact on federal government, look at marijuana and look at what is happening with them writing legislation to like start to like change stuff. Okay, now uh, that's a whole nother topic. Uh, there should be a whole lot of reform with that. <laughs> but I'm just saying, like, if if you get involved in a grassroots level. Um, it does drive that change. And, and, you know, that's like me, you know, that's for me, that's where I want to get like in the nitty gritty with is understanding what's happening in my community. So I can understand the direction that the federal should yeah. go in, you know, yeah. um, it's one thing for them to drive change down. But like what I tell people in coaching is, is it is not hard to manage upwards. It is not, you have complete control of managing upwards. You don't have control over how management handles you but you nope. have control over how you manage management okay so that's what i think you know this should look like it should be like an upward approach uh brandon hey. anything you want to leave the people with man any any this knowledge kickstand no. boy yeah kickstand baby no <laughs> look i just want to really just drive home what you said chef it's it's so this requires energy man it, it's 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 kind of so much you see like when all the smoke clear and all the dust settle it'd be it, it's like my theoretical orientation we talk about foreground and background right and yeah. and so things fall into the background and we no longer it's no longer aware until it comes back up we're not aware of it anymore right we've lost energy oh we're on to the next thing or we're on to the next and we and so hardly and this is probably one of the reasons that most of the politicians come with the rah-rah stuff on, on the heels of tragedies because this is where people are most mostly engaged but if our engagement remains and not just that not just going and lobbying are we getting involved are we going up for political office are we trying to be the change right i'm i'm i don't want i don't want to just i'm tired of voting people in the office because i don't want to do it you see what i mean so i'm yeah. looking for somebody that's yeah. going to do what i want them to do and then the moment they don't, I get upset with them. Okay, so how about I go? How about I put that energy in? And that's my thing, man. So I've yeah. been wrestling. I've been wrestling with this too. I, I told my I, wife, I said I can't. I, I really, I wouldn't go <laughs> higher than I wouldn't go higher than state because you know they start getting they start slinging mud, and I'm it, I'm just not cut from that cloth to be sitting and taking. It's, it, so it's it's just one of them things too, though. Like it's it's like you know my final points is. It's this is like I agree with you. Like federal is just is is for me. It's just like a power hungry thing. Like, but really, if your community is good, there is limitations on what the Fed can do. Federal government, like you know what I'm saying. Like so, Absolutely. for me, is is it starts with the community. It starts with like, you know, I I don't know. You know, um, you know, it's called he's called uh, red and blue. You know, like when when you go and you do the assessment and then you do the tactics and see how they work. Yeah. You know what I mean. Like, yep. I feel like that that's that's what should be happening at everybody's school. You know, I, I, I read somewhere that the SWAT team went to the school and that's great for them. They had the layout of the building, which means they understand the corners and which rooms to check and how to go and which are closets and everything like that. They have familiarity. That does not mean that during the response, they're going to know exactly how to pinpoint. OK, um, but. I'd say that stuff still needs to happen. The teachers need to receive training on what to do. Um, I seen some stuff like there was one school I just seen the other day. They have like little panels in there in their classroom and they push a panel and it lets, it has a little switch on it. It says whether or not they safe in that room. And they got it set up with cameras inside the school that's at the dispatch for their local precinct. That's what I'm talking about. Like, yeah. what are you doing? You know, it's one thing to have metal detectors at the door. But if the, the when they come into school, but then if you secure the outside of the doors anyway, the metal detectors don't serve a purpose after that. You see what I'm saying? So what in addition ingress, to that ingress. do you have? Yeah, it's like, what do you have in addition to that? Um, the other thing I will say is, you know, this conversation maybe didn't hit the points that you wanted it to hit or 
like maybe you thought it was going to go a different way. I think the conversation went exactly how it's supposed to go because at the end of the day, it's a conversation. We're talking about something that <clears throat> needs to be talked about in a manner of which we know how to do it. And, Absolutely. you know, your job is to take this, however it resonates, if it doesn't resonate, then figure out a way to make it resonate to people who think like you can take something away from it as well. But the most important thing like I wanted to do, and, you know, this is this is just raw, is just, just hop on and just talk. You know yeah. what I mean? Because talking is therapeutic. You know, that's yeah. the difference between coaching and therapy, too. Like I tell you right now, coaching is not therapy, but, but talking to yourself and hearing yourself talk is therapeutic. So it's it's one of those things like I just challenge you to to do better than 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 this episode of the podcast. Get out there, have a conversation with somebody, even if y'all don't say have the same opinions and stuff like that. Don't get emotionally attached to what you're saying or you never grow. So just go out there have the conversation be one with yourself and at the end of the day you don't have to leave with anything but you should feel good in yourself that you had the conversation about it i mean let me say one last thing i when i'm when i'm working with people when i'm teaching um you know like teaching counselors and training i tell them this you have to become comfortable with being uncomfortable you have when you become comfortable with being uncomfortable, there's no situation that you can't have a discussion about. Yeah. There's nothing that's off the table. So for me, everything is on the table. I'm willing, I'm willing to talk about any and everything because I've done my due diligence and I'm I'm not closed-minded, right? I have I have what I believe, but you know, I'm I'm not I've been wrong Mike two or three times in my yeah. life. Yeah, and there's no, and there's like, there's nothing wrong with it. There's nothing wrong with it. I think we all been wrong. You know what I'm saying? All uh, right, but for real, for there's, real. there's 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 nothing wrong with being open to to learning more about like what other people have to say or other yeah. people's opinions because that makes you more broad as a person. Nobody's saying you have to change how you feel about stuff, but it should be when you approach it, you should be at least open to hearing another perspective. You know, one of the things I do when I coach is I always say, what what lens are you choosing to see that situation through? Oh, such and such, they don't like me. Okay, what are you assuming? What are you assuming about that person? What is the context of how that's happening? You know, what lens are you viewing them through? And that's what I challenge everybody is, you know, during this situation, you know, definitely, you know, get the help that you need to deal with this traumatic event. It was a traumatic event. It's gonna be yep. with you for a while. It's heavy. Yeah, you know. Absolutely. Um don't have these pre-planned conversations. Just, just talk to people. And the people who they talking to, just listen. You know, before you speak, listen. And then and then just have a conversation about it. And the conversation is a two-way street. But yeah. right now, people just want to be able to express how they feel. Um, and people want change. And, and, and they rightfully should be able to ask for that. So uh, where can they find you at, Brandon? Well, I'm um, I don't uh, I don't do social media well, but <laughs> But you know, I'm on Facebook under my under my name, man. Um, I'm on LinkedIn. I'm building my website. I'm I'm getting ready to go out into private practice. I'm gonna be doing some 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 coaching stuff as well, some consulting things. Um, em emholisticcounseling.com. That's my website. If you want to find out anything more about me, um, so yeah, that's I'm gonna be ubiquitous in a minute. But right now, I'm contained. <laughs> I got I to Yeah, we're going we're going to bring them out. We're going to bring them out. Um Yeah, I enjoyed this, man. Yeah, we could do more, man. I mean, I just I think that we we do good job conversing and there's plenty of topics to talk about that don't have to be so heavy. You know what I mean? Yeah. I appreciate you coming out here with me cuz I I immediately told my wife, I was like, you know, this the only way I'm going to be able to process this is if I just talk about it. You yeah. know, and and I need to talk about it with somebody who has like a similar kind of background with me. You know, because I just I just view stuff differently. I just do. You know, it's it's yep. it's it's based off of life experiences on how you deal with stuff and how you deal with it. But you know, this is this is for me is like this is not therapy. This podcast is not therapy. Disclaimer at the bottom. If you need mental health, please. Uh, if you need mental help, please go see a qualified mental health specialist. Absolutely. <laughs> um, so, but I just, I man, I thank you for coming on here, and um, hey, my pleasure, bro. For it's, real, it's been this good is... chopping it up with you, man. Oh yeah, I enjoyed it. All right. Uh, so you already know where to find us. We're at uh, Uniting Roots on uh, uh, Facebook. Uh, we're on that page. We have an Instagram page, 
at your time in we have a website coming too. go ahead and take the time to announce that if you've been watching the video you've seen the difference in the background and the logo we made the transition uh the color changes and stuff like that all that's going to be coming out in the next month uh but yeah you'll hear more from us we have some other podcasts planned uh there won't be such a heavy topic they they'd be more chill and relaxed but a heavy a heavy action deserves a heavy conversation so with that thank you for tuning in uh Thank you, everybody. I hope you have a good one.